0: Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Nick Tarter. I want to thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Bethany, Oklahoma, learning what it looks like to be in Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did so that our world can be saturated with the good news and the good works of Jesus. We invite you to join us on this journey and we hope that this content will help you to grow to be the person God created you to be. We've been working through the Gospel of Luke, and we uh, we took a break because we felt that it was important to address the situation at hand. Um, and yeah, to be sure, life is beginning slowly but surely to return back to maybe a semblance of normal, although things still are a little weird. Uh, I was at uh, uh, I, I, I was at a store yesterday. And it was a pickup only thing, and it was kind of in order you could come pick up what you had ordered and uh and so I got there, and I um, had let the person know that I was there and um, and and uh, the clerk had brought out somebody else's order and uh, and so i um I was talking with this guy about how strange it is that we were standing outside waiting for them to bring our stuff to us, <laughs> and uh, it just felt so weird and and we were talking about how odd things are, and uh, it was just an interesting conversation. Things are very strange right now. We live in strange days, and and uh, and even though I'm excited to say that some things are beginning to to change, and hopefully we're going to have um, at least somewhat normal, <laughs> a somewhat normal life moving forward very soon. Uh, uh, I, I have a sense that we'll never be completely the same, will we? So there's there's a lot of uh, a lot to consider there with that. But today we're going to return back to the Gospel of Luke. And I know Pastor Dwight has alluded to a couple of things out of, out of this the last couple of weeks. But I'm going to be um, preaching out of chapter 6 and verses 1 through 5. And so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to that place, I think God has something to say to us today. And for some time now, we have been talking about how we believe God has—we uh, we don't believe that God necessarily caused this pandemic— but we do believe that God has a purpose in it. I believe that God does not waste anything. Uh, God's been teaching me that throughout the course of my life, and, uh, and, and, and I've learned that as well from wisdom of others who've lived a long time before me. God does not waste any of our experiences, especially those of us who are believers. And Paul himself wrote in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good. For those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean that everything that happens is good, does it? No. God never promised that. He never promised that we would have an easy life. He never promised that we wouldn't experience tribulation and trouble and all these difficulties. He, in fact, Paul himself suffered greatly and was able to write all things work together for good because Paul understood that God is sovereign over our circumstances, and then even though God may not send every trial and tribulation, I'm not saying that he never does because there are times when we desperately need trial and tribulation because we're straying away from him and we need to have our, our attention caught. There are also times where uh, I think God understands that we're so stuck in a pattern of, of living or in a way of thinking that we've got to be broken out of that. And so he allows some trial to come into our lives to break us out of our way of thinking so that we'll trust him more he doesn't always make, no, he's, it's not like he always sends the bad things into our lives. Most of the time, when a bad thing comes, it's just a result of living in a broken world. But God is able to use every, everything, good and bad, to bring about the ultimate end that he has in mind for you and for me and for this world. It's one of the great, uh, I think, cosmic jokes, by the way. I believe that God does have a sense of humor. It's one of the great cosmic jokes that every time the devil does something that he thinks is going to derail God, it ends up forwarding God's plan even further. And so today, as we open up Luke chapter 6, what I want to say about this pandemic is that I believe one of the purposes that God has in this, that we have affirmed as, as the leadership of New Covenant Fellowship, the elders, is that God has wanted us to take a moment and to pause. And Pastor Richard called this a Selah moment. This is a moment of pause. And a Selah is a rest in a song where you would stop. And, 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 and essentially in that moment, you would anticipate what's coming next, but you would also reflect on where you've been. This is a time of pause where God has given us an opportunity to stop and to reflect And to focus on him. And I I think ultimately, if we could talk about God's purpose for something like this, his design is that it would help us to draw near to him. Maybe nearer to him than we have in a long time. But I wonder if we're all catching that right now. And and I'll give some reasons why I, I wonder. And it actually lines up a lot with how the Pharisees were dealing with the practice of Sabbath back in Jesus' day. So let's go ahead and read this passage of Scripture. Actually, before we do that, I, I, I think I want to mention this. This is kind of an important thought. Uh, we humans, we tend to make our lives about our doing rather than our being. We focus on what we do. And we've said this before. This is not anything new. But like I, I've noticed that when I introduce myself to somebody, there's almost this urge to say, I'm Nick and I am this. I'm a pastor. I work with church planters. We, we humans tend to identify our career or our, our occupation with our identity. So in other words, our doing, our actions are tied up with who we are in our minds. And that's something we're constantly having to do battle against if we want to follow Jesus. I'll get more to that later. But um, because here's the thing. Um, God isn't that way at all. He's not. Now, you know, remember how he first introduced himself to Moses? Moses said, you know, he shows up in a burning bush, which is pretty cool anyway. I mean, like, that, that's kind of legit. Um, it's on fire. It's not burning up. Cool moment, you know. Um, in, this, in today's world, I would be so excited to Instagram that, you know. But, uh, but in that day, you know, I guess Moses probably didn't have an iPhone. But, but, but he wrote it down. He wrote down about what happened to him. And and when God introduced himself, Moses says, who are you? God says, tell them that I am sent you. Like, that's the coolest mic drop in history to me. It's like, who are you? I am. You know, like, that's my name. It's just like, I, I exist. I am who I am. And that's all you need to know. Because here's the thing about God. He is eternally settled in who he is. He he knows who he is. His identity is secure. He knows he's God. And he knows there's no one else like him. He's the only God. There's no degree of variance. He knows exactly who he is. Now, that's really important because if you remember, when God first created people, it says he created them in his image, male and female, he created them. And what does that tell us about us? We were designed to be people who are comfortable in our own skin. We were designed to, to be people who are okay with who we are. And who defined ourselves not on the basis of our actions, but on the basis of just our identity, who we are in light of who God is. That's how God designed us to work, because it's how he works. And we were created in his image. But somewhere along the way, things got sideways. We know what happened. In the garden, Adam and Eve were living out of their identity in the Father. But then they began to question their identity in the Father, and, and the Father's goodness. They began to question the Father's goodness. Because they listened to the voice of the enemy who told them a different story. Okay, they, they were they were created and taught the true story, and that is that God loves them, that God created them to reflect his glory, and that they were incredible. They were very good. You go back and read that Genesis 1 narrative, because God. Says creation is good until he makes people, and then it's very good. I mean, it was good, you know? It's kind of like. Um Brahms vanilla ice cream is good, but chocolate chip cookie dough is very good. You know what I mean? Like there, there, was, a, there was a step up in quality. You know, I'm not going to be upset if you bring me a vanilla ice cream cone, but I'm going to be really excited if you bring me the chocolate chip cookie dough. So you guys write that note down. Pastor Nick likes chocolate chip cookie dough. I just, I just want you to know that's the kind of ice cream that I prefer. I also like birthday cake. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, but... but you understand what I'm saying? There, it was, the quality was good of creation. But once he created people, they, that was the crowning point of creation. And, and, and it was very good because what God had done is he had created them to reflect his glory. And they did reflect his glory. And there was absolutely nothing lacking in Adam or in Eve. Nothing. But the enemy came to them, telling them a different story, saying... You're actually not complete. God said you were, but you're not. And so what happens is they believe that story, the story the enemy told them. And instead of being at rest in who they were in God, they began to reach out and they began to say, we've got to do things to prove ourselves. And they reached out and they grabbed that fruit because they thought that that would prove them. They thought that they would be approved in that fruit more than they were in God. You see what happened? As they began to seek self-approval rather than looking to their creator for approval. And, um... If you want to be upset about the reason why you've had to have so much therapy and take all those pills, it's, it, look back to Adam and Eve, okay? Um, if they hadn't done that, we wouldn't have so many issues. We also wouldn't have the self-help section at the bookstore um, because we, we are all kinds of messed up and we don't know how to fix it. And today I think what we're going to get at is a little bit about how maybe we can bring this back into alignment a little bit. Or actually a lot bit. You know, here's the thing. Someday it's going to get fixed entirely if we trust in Jesus. Now we're going to read the scripture, okay? I felt like that was a good setup here. So um, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Jesus was going through the grain fields on a Sabbath, and his disciples picked some heads of wheat and rubbed them in their hands and ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is against the law on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? How he entered the house of God, took and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for any to eat, but the priests alone, and gave it to his companions? Then he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Powerful statement. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So I think before we can truly understand what we're getting at here, we need to understand the nature of Sabbath. What was Sabbath designed to be? Well, on the first Sabbath, God rested. That's significant. Because, do you think God was tired? No, of course not. He's God. God wasn't tired. God doesn't get tired. God has all the energy he ever needs. So then why did he rest? You see how we we operate like this. We think, I work, 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 burn out. Now I have to rest, right? We rest from our work because we're tired. God rested so he could enjoy his work. It's pretty different. God didn't burn out. God didn't get tired. He created everything, and then he said, "This is really cool. I want to step back and enjoy it." It's a whole different reason for resting. Uh, we Americans may be the worst in the entire world at resting. I don't know if that's true, but that's uh, but I'm I've. I've only always been an American, so this is my only frame of reference. <laughs> We're terrible at it, though. We're workaholics. We, uh, we have a hard time laying our work down. Because, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm just going to share with you from my personal experience. Uh, I've told this to you before, but I find, like, especially early on in the church planting work, I, I've been uh, in this church planting ministry for, like, seven years now, and when we first got started, I remember I had a really hard time just taking time out of my day to stop and go and be with the Lord. I would feel guilty that I wasn't in an office somewhere doing work. And um and and then I would start like, why do I feel bad about this? You know, like I, I would really wrestle through this. And and the Lord began to show me it was because that 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 my mindset was focused on productivity, that I was actually finding my sense of identity and what I was doing rather than in, in just resting in Him. So I had a really hard time putting down my regular work is what Scripture calls it, by the way, when we talk about Sabbath, your regular work. By the way, the Bible doesn't say that we don't do any, any work at all on the Sabbath. It says we put down our regular work means you don't go to your job. <laughs> it means you don't do your stuff that you would normally do. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, make food for your kids. It <laughs> doesn't mean you can't, you know, it, mean, it doesn't mean you can't, like, go do something fun with your family. It's about enjoying. Because remember, God rested from the work of creation. Not because he was tired, but because he was going to stop and enjoy what he had just done. Now, likewise, we are called by God to rest. Not necessarily, you know, it's it's not necessarily about the actions. It's not necessarily about the stuff that we've been doing. As much as it is about stopping to enjoy God and his goodness and the things he's called us, or things he's given us in this life. Sabbath is ultimately about resting in God and who we are in him. But so oftentimes we make it about the things that we do. God rested to enjoy His work, and God's plan rest is not as much about the ceasing as it is about the enjoying part. Enjoying what God has done, worshiping Him, serving God, serving one another. And here's the heart of the problem that I think we're, we see in this passage. Because the Pharisees, they were so bent out of shape because the disciples reached out and grabbed some heads of grain and began to eat it. They were really upset about this. <laughs> you know, can, you, can you even just imagine the, the picture? Here's these guys. They're walking. They're hungry. They've been traveling, right? It's the Sabbath. And um, it was perfectly legal in that culture, by the way, to pick grain that was left on the outskirts. In fact, that was the design. That was, it was left there for travelers and for the poor. So these guys were walking through, and this grain had been left there for travelers and for the, for the poor. They reached out and they grabbed it. They began, to, they began to pluck the seeds out and eat it. And the Pharisees are like, Work! You're working on the Sabbath! You sinner! Can you just imagine that picture? Here's Jesus. I'm, I'm sure he's thinking, Oh, Here we go again. But uh, they were so bent out of shape about this. Now, why were they so bent out of shape about this? Well, because they had made it about the doing more than the being. Now, again, this is so important because when we talk about being, it's just who we are, right, in light of who God is. So as a Christian, I know, for instance, I'm a child of God. I've been called a child of God. I've been adopted as a child of God through Jesus Christ. I know that. That's been proclaimed over me. Being is something that is proclaimed over me by my God. He's declared me good, even though I'm a mess on my own. But he's declared that I am good in Christ. He's declared me righteous. Those things are true of me, not because of anything I've done, but because of what God has said. Because of what Christ has done also. My being has nothing to do with what I do. It has everything to do with who God is. But we we people have a tendency to make it about what we do. So, so we define ourselves based on our actions. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were seeing these guys plucking grain and they were saying, Hey, you're working. That's sinful. That's unlawful. And the heart of the problem that we see in this passage is that God is great. So we don't have to be in control. And yet we feel like we have to be in control because we don't believe that God is great. So we create our own parameters to try and control things. And then we end up out of control because it's God's job to be in control and not ours. So here's, here's what I mean by this. The Pharisees know you're supposed to respect the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That is a righteous commandment that God gave us, right? One of the Ten, it's one of the Ten Commandments. We're, we're to keep the Sabbath. They know that. The Pharisees also know they've, that they've gotten in a lot of trouble before because they disobeyed God. Their hearts, but, but understand this, the disobedience, the disobedient actions, isn't, those aren't really what got them in trouble with God. It was because their hearts turned away from God, and then they were disobedient because they were following their heart into disobedience. It's a heart issue. We've said this before, but pretty much every sin has behind it a false belief about who God is. So they had, they had ceased to believe in God as he had revealed to them. They, and they'd also ceased to believe in who they were as God's people, and that led them into sin. You can have all the right actions and still have the wrong heart which, of course, Jesus was pointing out to them quite regularly. In fact, I I recently finished the Gospel of John. And one of the things that Jesus said in the Gospel of John to the Pharisees, he says, you pour over the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but it's they that point to me, and you refuse to believe in me. And see what he's saying is you can have all the right beliefs, you can have the right theology, you can even do the right things, but if your heart is far from God, you're still in just as much sin as the person who's living in blatant open sin. There's a certain motivation of the heart that has to be corrected if we're going to be living in sync with who, God's, who God is. And understand that if, if you're the kind of person who's always focusing on your actions, but you're never focusing on the heart of God, Something is wrong. Something is broken. And that's what we see happening perpetually here with the Pharisees. They're, they're, they're seeing the disciples and they're like, well, we don't like what you're doing. This is wrong. Even though that was ne- what they were doing wasn't forbidden in Scripture, but it was forbidden in the rule book that the Pharisees had written. And they were getting onto them because their actions were against the way the culture was set up at the time but understand that those guys were very well at rest in the presence of Jesus. When our as we mentioned earlier when our first father Adam took the fruit he did not the, the sin part of it was less about the fruit itself. And the fruit itself by the way wasn't as much the appealing thing as it was his sense of control. He wanted to be in control of his situation. So the sin was less about the fruit and more about the heart position of Adam. It wasn't as much about the action as it was about where his heart was turned to. His heart was turned to God, things were okay. When his heart turned away from God, it began to unravel. When our first, or when, let's see, so... All right, nope, I'm going to get back to the right part of my notes here. Sorry. Um, God had designed Sabbath to be rest. But the Pharisees had turned it into work. So, so again, take a look at what they were doing. They were, they were just doing something perfectly fine. They were just grabbing some food while they were moving to their next destination on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees had created so many rules that people had to abide by in order to keep the Sabbath, that they'd actually made the Sabbath into a harder work than most people's everyday labor. The Sabbath was, it had become this thing that people were so focused on making sure they were doing the right thing, they had no room in their heart for God. And, and, And I gotta point out, that is not the way God designed religion to work, by the way. If, if, if our religion is more about our actions and trying to be righteous in and of ourselves than our, then it is about honoring God, that's a broken religion. That is not the religion we've been called to. And yet, so oftentimes, that's what it is, isn't it? It's a checklist. And if, and if we fail, we just destroy ourselves inside because we feel like we couldn't do it. And that was actually the point to begin with. You couldn't do it. Jesus had to do it for you. So I think the important word of encouragement here is that we are not to focus so much on the externals. But we are to focus on the heart. Is my heart turned towards God? Is my heart for God? When I rest... Am I resting from my works, or am I resting for God? It's an important question. God never intended for holy things to keep people from doing good things. That's another thing. Sometimes we, we create a religious structure that is so tight that it keeps us from even doing the right thing. And it was perfectly fine for these guys to grab lunch on the Sabbath day. It just was. He designed the holy day to, keep, to help people to stop, to trust that he's in control, and to serve him. So Sabbath was designed as weekly rest, right? So that we would stop, so that we would turn our eyes back towards God, that we would be able to get our, our identity back in the right place where I'm focused on God, not on what I do. I don't want my works to define me. I want my relationship with Jesus to define me. So I'm constantly having to stop, look back up to God, and say, All right, Lord, recenter my heart. I need to be recentered. I'm so prone to wonder. Lord, recenter me. The whole point of rest is for our heart to be placed back on Him. And, and the attempts that they were making in those days to keep themselves from working was only another te- attempt for control. It was the opposite of faith. It was trying to keep control. In other words, okay, we don't want to go back into exile again. We saw what that was like. So we better make sure that we do everything right. Let's make a checklist. You hear? I, by the way, I know a lot of Christians who live this way. Because like, they're so afraid of sin. They're so afraid they might mess up. It's like, they're, it's like they view God as, as some angry like Zeus up in the sky with a lightning bolt just waiting to strike them. If God was that way, he would not have sent his son Jesus to be crushed in your place. That's not who God is. You know, you know who God is? He is the one who seeks to restore you. He's not looking to smite you. And and that's not to say that that hell isn't real and that eternal consequences aren't real, because they are. But if you're a child of God, understand your destination has already been changed. You're in the family. And so God's plan for you now is not for you to focus on how you can be the perfect person, but on how you can... Have your eyes set on Jesus. Because here's what God knows. God knows if your heart is turned towards Christ, the actions will follow. If your heart is turned toward Jesus, the actions will follow. That's why I like like to say this to myself, and I've said it many times in sermons as well. But repentance is less about what you're repenting from and more about who you're repenting towards. And, and, And let's think about it this way. If I'm turning my heart away from the world and from myself into Jesus, in other words, my master has changed, my Lord has changed, I'm no longer ruling my own life and trying to lead my own life. I'm looking to Jesus to rule and to lead me. If I want to please my master, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to live in a way that honors him and glorifies him. And that comes as the Holy Spirit works on us and grows us into the image of Jesus. It's... it's it's an, a work that I, I like to call, act, it's actively passive. <laughs> we are actively learning to rest in him so that he can change our heart and we can be different. doesn't mean we do nothing, but it means that we're walking in the spirit. We're learning to walk in the spirit. And he's the one that's making the massive changes in our hearts. So it's not, it's not like I'm going to make my checklist of things to do and then I'm going to somehow make myself more holy and more good and all those things. You won't do it. If that's how you are living your life as a Christian, you know, you know what you're going to end up doing? You'll end up getting worse. The Christian life is about learning to rest in Jesus. It's about learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to walk with the Spirit. And the concept of Sabbath, by the way, is about the same thing. It's about stopping. It's about a pause so that I can turn my heart to God. It's less about the actions I'm ceasing from. It's more about who I'm turning towards. And as my heart is more and more turned towards God, I find that naturally I I walk in his ways more and more. I found this to be true of myself. My own discipleship, I I have a lot of spiritual disciplines I, 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 I walk in every day. But God's taught me that those disciplines are not actually what's transforming me. Those disciplines work because they're helping me focus on him. They're helping me turn my heart towards him and when my heart is turned towards him he works in me supernaturally i think sabbath works in much the same way the reality is those pharisees in that day they 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 were just trying to control and jesus saw right through it and they weren't they weren't being pious and they were you know what they were actually being sacrilegious here's why because Something sacrilegious is something that takes the emphasis off God. They had taken the emphasis off God and put it on themselves. You're never going to honor the Sabbath if you're taking the emphasis off God and putting it on you. Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Now understand that the, one of the most radical claims the early church made was this claim: Jesus is Lord, Christos Kurios, in the original Greek. Christ is Lord. Why was this such an important statement, and why did it get many of them stoned or crucified? Well, because um, the the Romans would say Caesar is Lord. That was one of the things that they would they would say. You know, you, you, like. It's kind of like uh, how Brit- Britons say, you know, long live the queen. <laughs> the Romans would say, Caesar is Lord. And the Christians were intentionally saying, actually, no, Christ is Lord. So radical claim. Because if Jesus is Lord, then we aren't. And it really ticks people off when we start telling them that they're not the Lord of their own life. It's very un-American, by the way. We like to be our own Lord. That's why, we, that's why we rebelled against the king. You know that. Because we wanted to run this thing ourselves. And, and th- we have a, re- a rebellious streak in us. I don't know how many times I, I, I've seen, a, you know, like a big jacked up Jeep going down the street. And on the back, there's a big sticker that says, don't tread on me. You know, it's like, Wow. And I'm I'm picking on the jeepers because I'm I'm in that world, you know. I do the four by four thing, but um, but but I've seen like that that sense of hey, you can't mess with me. I am I am in charge of my own world. Don't you dare tread on my space. That's very American. But Jesus is Lord. I'm not Lord. I gave up lordship over my own life a long time ago when I gave my life to Jesus. But our Father Adam, you see, he reached out and tried to become his own Lord, and that's what really threw things off for him. When we stop to reflect on Jesus' goodness, to enjoy him in worship, we are acknowledging that he is great. And if God is great, I don't have to be in control. We're acknowledging that the universe is centered on Jesus and not on us. I just I feel like we could all use a pretty regular dose of this. And that's what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about acknowledging that this world is not dependent on me to keep spinning. I can stop doing what I normally do. I don't have to do my normal work. My business will survive. God's in control. It's okay that Chick-fil-A is not open. You know, I can get a chicken sandwich tomorrow. I'm just going to trust God for that chicken today. You know what I mean? Like, Sabbath is about trusting God and honoring Him and, re- and, and acknowledging God is in control of this thing. This world's going to keep spinning no matter what until the day when Jesus comes back. And, and hey, look, I, I'm not here to tick anybody off intentionally, but can I just, I just want to say that Fossil fuels aren't going to ruin this planet. Coronavirus isn't going to ruin this planet. All these things that we're so afraid of, they're not going to ruin this planet. I'm not saying we should be irresponsible, but here's the thing our faith needs to be in Jesus. And this thing is not going to stop. This world is not going to end until He says it's going to end. And then He's going to restore it, and it's going to be better than it ever was before. Sabbath is about that kind of faith, where we are able to say, listen, I'm His. And my life is in his hands. He's the one who's developing me. He's the one who's building me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to rest. And if we're unable to rest, by the way, it's probably because we don't trust that God's going to keep this rock spinning. We don't trust that God is great. And so we feel like we have to be in control. But God is great, so you don't have to be in control. You don't have to be like these Pharisees and put a hundred restrictions around you just to make sure that you don't like walk too many steps on a Sabbath day. You don't have to do that. No, just stop, rest, look to Jesus. Now I'm saying all that about the Sabbath day, but I think it applies to this whole moment of pause that we've been in. Have you taken time to stop? Have you taken time to rest in him? Have you taken more time out of your day to pray, to read your Bible, to just reflect on Jesus? Maybe in times when you haven't been uh, working. I know some people haven't been working, you know, and, and that, that stinks. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for you that, that that had to happen, and I hope that your job starts up really soon, but can I just say the government paid you to rest and focus on God for a month. So, like, have you done that? Have you stopped and paused to hear him? The truth is that God wants to use this moment of pause to help us to reset our hearts on him. He wants us to once again acknowledge that he's the center, that our jobs aren't the center. Money isn't the center. Family isn't the center. Our hobbies aren't the center. Eating out isn't the center. I know some of us are really having a hard time with that right now. Okay, but Jesus is the center. Life goes on. Whether it's quarantine, coronavirus, but Jesus is still Lord. Is our faith in Him? I, I, I've just observed that a lot of people have made, have been more busy than they ever were <laughs> over the past month, and I just wonder if, if that's true of us, have we missed it? Have we missed what God is trying to say? We've made ourselves busier because we struggle to believe that Jesus is the center and that we aren't. We don't believe God is big enough, so we think we have to be in control. It's all about control. Just like it was for Adam and Eve in the garden, just like it was for the Pharisees when they had this conversation with Jesus. We feel like we have to forge what we want out of this life, but that's not true if you're in Christ. Because you know that if you're in Christ, you will not miss out on anything. You have an eternity of experiences waiting for you. Why are you so worried about what's going to happen today or tomorrow? I think God wants us to think about that. And I'm going to close with this statement that I've already said, but it's an important statement. God is great. This is, by the way, this is written by Tim Chester in his book. Uh, you can change. If you want to read more of this, God is great. You don't have to be in control. God is great, so you don't have to be in control. I'm just encouraging everyone to take some time in the next week, maybe tomorrow. You know, it'd be great to do it tomorrow. Maybe today. It, it's, it's Sunday after all. Take some time to stop. Clear your mind of everything else and reflect on Jesus. Stop reaching for Adam's fruit. Can we do that? Can we stop reaching for Adam's fruit together? And let's let God be God. Let's rest in him. I think that's what God wants us to do. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you, or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.